Dios le bendiga. Bendiciones, mi hermanas y hermanos. <coughs> Gracias a Dios. Uh, we had a great time in El Salvador. My Spanish is not good, but it was better this time than it was in November, and so I was able to communicate much, much better this time. And I'm so proud of our team who really fully embraced themselves in the experience. Uh, the people in El Salvador are so gracious and also very timid until you break through. And once that happened, all timidity is over. And so we had a lot of fun just singing songs and getting to know people and spraying water guns and teaching. We had a kids camp. We went door to door and invited people. Popcorn was my roommate. He's asleep now, so wake up. But Popcorn was my roommate, and I've got so many Popcorn stories, but I'll just tell you one. Popcorn leads with his heart, and uh, we were in the airport, and I uh, got flagged by security, and uh, they were coming through, looking through my bag. It took about five minutes to look through my bag. Uh, they asked me, uh, uh, hablo espanol, I was like, oh, poquito, and uh, Steve's looking through my bag, and suddenly he pulls out a Phillips screwdriver that's about that long, and I, I said everything that you would say when you're uh, really guilty, but I really wasn't guilty, I was like, that is not mine, I'm telling you, that is not mine, I did not put that in there, so Popcorn somehow thought I needed a screwdriver and put it in my uh, bag, and, and um, so I did make it through security, and here I am home, and uh, all, all is well. Uh, but we we're planning on going again next year. I hope some of the rest of you were able to join us next year. Uh, <clears throat> truly, I've said before, when we leave El Salvador, we leave a bit of our heart there. And that is true because uh, the people are so uh, gracious to us and so desirous of um, learning about the Lord and uh, so appreciative of us, us being there. Uh, <clears throat> today, we're going to talk about the Word of God. And I read a story one time about a guy named Leroy Elms who tells of a time when his family was driving through South Florida, and as far as the eye could see, there were oranges everywhere, uh, millions and millions and millions of oranges and orange trees. But when he went to breakfast at a local diner there in Florida, surrounded by orange trees, he asked for some orange juice. And they, the, the waitress was very apologetic. She said, I'm sorry, sir, we're not able to provide orange juice. Uh, our machine is broken. And he thought about that, the irony of like millions of oranges all around, but not able to actually get orange juice like he wanted. And Elms wrote this, Christians sometimes are like that. They may be surrounded by Bibles in their home, but if something should happen to the Sunday morning preaching service, they would have no nourishment for their souls. The problem is not a lack of, is, is not a lack of spiritual food, he adds, but that many Christians haven't grown enough to know how to get it for themselves purpose of this message is very simple. I want to encourage you to the best way that I can to study the Word of God on your own. I want you to love the Bible. I want you to desire reading the Bible as much as you look forward to your own daily meals and even more. And I'm going to begin with the assumption today that most people in this room do not read the Bible every day. And I don't mean to insult you, I'm just trying to be realistic. I think most of you read the Bible occasionally, but do not read it as regularly as you should. And I think, first of all, people don't do that because they say, well, I don't have time. They're busy, they're distracted, and they say, well, I don't have time to read it. And I think another reason is they say, well, I just don't understand the Word of God. So because I don't understand it, I'm not going to read it. And, but I think the real problem is maybe people don't understand the value of the Word of God. 
If I said, I'll pay you 500 bucks a day if you would spend just 15 minutes a day reading the Word of God, how many of you would suddenly have become a priority to you? You know what I mean? <laughs> but it is valuable. When you realize that the Bible was not just a, a document, it is a living book given to us by the, by the living God of the universe, you begin to understand its real value. The Bible is personal. It contains very precious promise that is specific for every one of our lives. It is from someone who knows you. It is current. It is relevant. It is timeless. And it is extraordinarily important. And I know the tendency is you say, well, I'm just going to go to church on Sunday and Stephen or Josh, they're going to teach. And I don't even have to bring my Bible. They even put it up on the screen for me. But I want you to read it. I want you to read the Word of God. Everybody can do it. And let me tell you how, why this is important. Whether you were Catholic growing up or Protestant, your worldview, the way you think, is shaped largely by what you've seen in the Word of God. Or it is shaped by what you see in the world. And how many of you realize what you see in the world are not the right kind of values? They're not the kind of values to build a life upon. So you have to choose, what am I going to build my life on? What is my worldview going to be? It's important because the things that make you feel good, the things that make you feel guilty, all of which are impacted by the book, the way you view right and wrong, your conscience, all of it is impacted by the book. You owe it to yourself to read it. You have easy access to it. I mean, in, in this country, you have access all the time. Do you know there are places in the world that today you cannot get a copy of the Scripture? There are places in China today and other countries where Bibles have to be smuggled in, and yet you have access to it every day. You can go online. You can get an app on your phone. You just got to be committed to reading it. But you say, it's so hard. I don't know if I can understand it. Listen, hard is making a really stupid choice in your 20s or 30s that haunt you in your 40s. That's hard. Hard is making a bad value decision that haunts you. That's hard. Hard is making a bad relationship decision. That's hard. Hard is raising your kids in a way that doesn't take them to the place they need to be. And now they're 17, 18, and you're thinking, I wish I could do it over again. Friends, that's hard. Hard is not taking time daily to read the Word of God. So spend 10, 15 minutes a day reading something in the Word of God and asking good questions about that. And what I want to do today is I want to lead you through a passage in Psalm 119. A lot of this psalm is about the Word of God, but we're going to focus on verses 97 through 105 in Psalms where David describes the Word of God. And remember, he's only probably referring to about seven books of the Bible. That's about what he had at that time. And those books were written hundreds of years before David was born, and yet he was still describing something that was so, so important to his life, so critical to his life. I don't have an outline today. I'm just going to lead you right to the text. Verse 97, oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. I love the word of God. It's God's law. You meditate on it day and night. And this is David the king saying, I don't get wisdom from other people. I'm getting wisdom from the word of God. And every day as I'm leading, portions of the word of God come into my heart and my mind. Now, what do you think about all day long? Do you think about the Word of God? My experience is that there will be things that come up in your mind that you didn't even expect them to come up, but suddenly they come up in your mind and you meditate on them day and night. 
Joshua 1.8 says, keep the book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be what? Prosperous and successful. How many of you want to be prosperous and successful? If you want to be prosperous and successful, read the word of God. Be careful to do everything written in it. That's the key. Be prosperous and successful. Read the word of God. And as you do that, through the day, the law of God is going to be in your heart. But if you don't study it, it's not going to be in there. Verse 98, your commands make me wiser than my enemies, which I think that's cool. You want to, you're in business and you want to be better than your competition? It's not doing all the market analysis. It's understanding what God's principles are, applying those principles to your business, and then realizing that when you are, you are wiser than your enemies. You see the world as God sees the world. We, we learn what does and doesn't work. And David says, I have so saturated my mind with how God views the world. I am wiser than my enemies. And those commands are ever with me. I've so saturated my mind and heart with the word of God. They're always with me every day. I used to say, I could write a book of 101 things that my mother said to me. Phrases that just come up in the middle of of just my life. And I'm just talking to somebody and some phrase my mom said will come up in my head. And uh, I will share that wisdom with somebody. How many of you now that your parents, when you were a kid, you're like, I don't know if my parents have it together at all, and I will never say what they just said to me. And then when you have kids, you say the very same things your, your mom and dad said to you. And you say, what happened? I'm becoming my parents. It's not okay. And yet it is okay because what happens is the more they taught you, the more you understood, the more you understood, the more you can now share those insights with other people. The commands are forever with me. Verse 99, I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. Students, you want to be smarter than your teachers? Read the Word of God. College students, you want to be more wise than your professors? Read the Word of God. David says, I have more insight than the people who are further along than me. I have this ability to see things in the world more clearly than others. Why? Because I meditate on the statutes of God. There's something about the Word of God that changes you. Verse 100, I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. David says, I'm wise beyond my years. People say, David, how could you be so wise, such a young man? He says, I'm in the word of God. I understand God's word, and because of that, I obey it. Now, here's something we talk about. In the scriptures, we're taught that obedience to God brings insight. And a lot of times, we want to know why we do something before we obey But when we parent kids, did you know there's a principle out there that's called first-time obedience? First-time obedience. There's actually some training on parenting like this. When I say it once, you do it. I'm the parent. You'll understand later. And the kid often wants to do what? They want to say, why? Why do I have to do it? You say, just look, just trust me. Just do what I'm telling you to do. And if that doesn't work, parents, what do we do next? If you were in my family, we count to three. Now, when you get to three, something better happen because if you get to three and nothing happens, it's not going to work anymore, right? So when you get to three, something better take place. But before that, it's a whole lot better if they obey the first time, and then you don't have to keep repeating it. And what you're telling them is, look, look, guys, as a parent, I'm just telling you, trust me. Obey me because it's important that you obey me because I know what's best. And then guess what? That child later is going to look back and say, 
Now I get it. Now I understand why you told me what to do. Before I didn't understand. Now I understand it. I, we, sometimes as parents, we don't have to explain everything. We just need obedience. And God's saying, obey my word. You may not understand everything. Obey it. And later you're going to look back and say, yeah, when I followed that principle with my marriage, when I followed that principle with my morality, when I followed that principle with my money, I obeyed that command. I can look back on it and say, God told me that for a reason. God's not in the business of explaining everything that God wants you to do. He is in the business of expecting obedience. And when you do, with hindsight, you understand it more. Verse 101 says, I have kept my feet from every evil path so that I might obey your word. Another verse in Psalm 119 explains this much earlier in the chapter, verse 9. It says, how can a young man keep his way pure by living according to to your word? I've hidden your word in my my heart that I might not sin against you. You keep your feet from evil because you understand the word of God. Helps you avoid some pitfalls in life. Helps you avoid consequences for bad decisions. Helps guide your decisions. One college professor was having a test one day, and he said, I want there to be an empty seat between each one of you because, as the good book says, we want there to be even avoid the appearance of evil. And one of the students raised his hand in sort of a smart aleck way and said, well, what if you don't believe in the good book? And the professor said, well, I want you to leave two seats between you and the other person because you're a little sinner, you know. Our world is so confused about right and wrong right now. There's, there's no moral compass. And friends, if there is no Bible, then there is no, no true north. If there's no word of God, there is no truth that guides us along life's paths. But the Bible keeps your feet from following evil paths. It keeps you straight. Verse 102 says, I have not departed from your laws, for you yourself have taught me. David said, when I open God's law, I feel as if God's personally teaching me. Anybody who's listened to this message, anybody who's spent time reading God's word, will tell you that there have been many, many times that you're reading along, and you feel as if God is speaking directly to you. I mean, you feel like God is saying something to you, and a lot of times people will say, Preacher, how did you know? Were you in our house? And I go, no, I, I didn't know anything, but it's not me, it's the Holy Spirit. Somehow, somehow, but despite ourselves, God does something great. I told you a couple weeks ago that I was preaching along, and I did, you know, sort of a speaking faux pas. And I, I was given an analogy about a boat, and I told you guys about this. I given an analogy about a boat, and it was a pretty good analogy, actually, sort of brilliant. And I, but it was on the fly, and it was like kind of just not even in my notes, but I had another analogy that was in my notes, and it was not brilliant at all. It was like the worst analogy ever, but... I sort of got confused in the middle of it as I was giving what I thought was my brilliant analogy. And I then went into my notes. Thank you. And then I went into my notes and I started to share this other not so brilliant analogy. And it got super confusing. And I'm, I'm up here dying. I know I'm dying. The people know I'm dying. It's not working at all. But I'm so far into the moment, I can't figure a way out of it. And so I just jump back into the boat analogy to try to save myself. I walk out in one of those like dirt-kicking kind of look-down moments, especially when a new couple walked out. And I was like, oh, boy, they're never coming back. That was terrible. That was a horrible analogy. I mean, they're going to. And they walked out and. And later, and I also almost want to apologize, you know, I'm sorry, look, Josh will be preaching next week, I'm sure it'll be much better, you know, it's okay. And so, I got a text message in the afternoon from the couple that invited them to church, and I was like, oh, here we go, you know, they invited them to church, they're never coming back, that's all it is. And she said, here's the text message from my friend, and she sent me their text message, hey, we loved church today, the message today was far different than we experienced last week in another church. 
it's exactly what we needed. We'll be back. I'm like, for real? Did you, <laughs> then were you in the same service that I was in? Because that was terrible. But somehow, this happens so many times. The Lord uses us despite ourselves. And his word just penetrates us. And that couple was here first hour today. David said that I have not departed from your laws because you yourself are teaching me, God. You personally know what I need and what I'm reading. In verse 103 says, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Let's do a little test, okay, today. Uh, it'll be an all play. I want everybody to participate here. It'll be fun. Turn to your neighbor and tell them your favorite main course for a meal. All right? Favorite main course. Go. All right. Good job. Good job. Good job. Now. Turn to your neighbor and tell them your favorite scripture reference, chapter and verse, not including John 3.16 or Jesus wept. Good, good. All right, turn to your neighbor and tell them your favorite dessert. Favorite dessert. Okay, good. Turn to your neighbor and quote them your favorite scripture verse. And no, God helps them who helps themselves, and cleanliness is next night. Godliness are not in the Bible. So everybody knows. Last one. Turn to your neighbor and tell them your least favorite food. Liver and onions. <laughs> Anything that looks back at me. All right, now turn to your neighbor. Finally, last one. And tell them the scripture verse that you read recently that made you struggle with, that you struggle with the most. Scripture verse you struggle with the most. All right, illustration over and obvious. It's, it's very easy for us to come up with food that we like or don't like. It is more difficult for us to process what verse of scripture do I really like or not like the most? What is the thing that's spoken to me the most? What's the one I struggle with the most? What does the Bible say about spiritual food? First Timothy 4, 8 says, Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. Deuteronomy 8, 3, Man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Job 23, 12, I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my portion of food. Job is saying that if he had to make a choice between eating and the word of God, the word of God should win every time. And Job was the wealthiest man who ever lived, lost everything, then received back threefold, tenfold over what he had lost because he remained faithful. And he, he just realized that what was more important were the words of God. And you cannot eat one day a week and expect to have nourishment. Some people rely on just what happens on the weekend. And by the way, I know a lot of you guys, you can't remember a sermon from one week to the next. That does not offend me. That does not offend me. I, I've had some experiences over the years. I remember one time I used one of my dad's sermons. It was a 12-point sermon. Can you believe that? A 12-point sermon on Nehemiah. But it was on leadership. And I spoke on that, and I gave it. I changed it to nine points because I could hardly, tw I could hardly tw tolerate 12. 
And I spoke that message. The next Sunday, we had an ordination in our church where somebody was going to be ordained in a ministry. And my dad got up and he gave that very same message. We had not talked about it, except he gave his 12-point sermon. And I'm telling you this right now, it was one week later and not one person in that church knew that just one week ago, I preached that exact same message in the very same church to the very same audience. I was maybe offended that day. He did do it better than I did. But what I do realize is that it doesn't matter to me if you remember everything. I mean, I've had a lot of good meals in my life, and I can hardly remember any of them. Maybe there's a few that have really risen to the top. You go, that was an awesome meal. That was one of my favorite meals ever. And that one's one that I will never forget. But, I mean, out of all the meals that I've had, I can remember just very few of them. But something tells me if I had not been eating them regularly, I would suffer from some serious malnourishment. And those of you who are not in the habit of coming on Sunday morning, you're going to suffer from, from some serious spiritual malnourishment and realize you can't just eat one day a week and be, and be healthy. You can't eat one day a week and be healthy, and you can't just learn the Word of God one day a week and be healthy spiritually. You need to be feasting on God's Word. You need to be eating God's Word. That's why we use the analogy, E-A-T here, the acronym. E for examine. Examine the Scripture. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all, for the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, present your request to God with thanksgiving. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Examine it. It's not that difficult. And then A, apply it. What, what part of that scripture can you apply today to you right now? Maybe you choose out of that rejoice in the Lord. Maybe there's some things you need to count your blessings in. Or maybe out of that you, you go, I just don't want to be anxious about anything. I'm really in a time of worry and concern. And I need to remember that the peace of God transcends all understanding. And I need to be prayerful in this. And then, not only do you apply that to your life, you talk about it with other people. You say, man, God is teaching me I need to not be anxious about things. And so, I just want to help you keep me accountable because I'm really struggling with worry right now. And and I just need you to pray for me because the Bible says if you pray with thanksgiving, the peace of God will transcend all understanding. People say the Bible's hard, but what I just told you is not difficult. And all I did was E, A, and T, the Word of God. Verse 104. I gain understanding from your precepts, therefore I hate every wrong path. Your law has shaped my values, God. Your law has shaped how I see right and wrong. I know better what to do or not to do based on your word. And then finally, the last verse of this section, which is, which is so common and familiar to us, which is, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. David, who was reading words written hundreds of years before, now is saying, God, your word, it like lights my path right where I am today. He's saying, I, I want to be like Moses of old. I want to be like Abraham of old. God, would you light my path? It's extraordinarily personal for him. He's saying, God's not saying, I'm going to light every step along the way where you're seeing 100 steps out. A lamp is something where you just see right in front of you. I know you want to know what's going to happen 10 years from now. But God says, I don't promise that. What I do promise is, you trust me and I'll light every step of your way. One step at a time. One faith step at a time. You know, we need to read the Word of God. And when I don't read it, I tend to magnify my strengths and others' weaknesses. When I don't read it, I tend to view the world as just this world. 
when I don't read the Bible, I tend to close my hands and my possessions. Selfishness reigns, rules the day. When I'm not in the Word of God, I, I tend to hold on to grudges and guilt. But instead, when you read the Word of God, it changes you. It gives you a new perspective. I'm just, with everything that I can today, trying to encourage you to eat the Word of God on your own. I heard about a church that was honoring their retiring pastor who had been there for over 30 years. So they had this grand occasion to say goodbye. And as part of their festivities of the program, they had a trained actor read Psalm 23. It was the pastor's favorite verse. Everybody knew that. And, and in perfect diction and in perfect theatrical form and in a captivating way, this actor read the 23rd Psalm, uh, I mean, by memory. And when he was finished, there was this thunderous applause. A few minutes later, the preacher got up to thank everybody and in a quivering, emotional voice. He expressed special appreciation to everyone that was there, and in particular, the actor who had read the 23rd Psalm. And he said, you know, that's my favorite verse. And he's a little aged, he began to slip into quoting the psalm himself again. And he went through the entire psalm, not with perfect diction and not with perfect inflection, but with a pure heart. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And when he finished, there was absolute silence in the room. Almost a reverent hush came over the congregation, and tears flooded the eyes of many and the actor leaned over to the person beside him and he said, you know the difference? Do you know the difference? And the person said, what? He said, I know the psalm. The pastor knows the shepherd. And if I could help you understand anything, it is that the word of God leads you to the shepherd of your souls. The word of God leads you to Christ. The word of God teaches you about who he is, but not only information it's transformation. It transforms you from the inside out if you will commit to reading, reading the Word of God. And to that end, I want to pray for you. Dear God, I just pray today and thank you for uh, the Word of God that teaches us and leads us. And God, every single one of us could read more. Every single one of us could make this a priority in our lives. Every single one of us could take more time to read or study or make it a daily, regular habit. God, help us not feel guilty about it. That's from the enemy. Help us to not feel like, oh, I didn't do enough. God, it's just like a good meal. Let's, let's enjoy the meal. Let's enjoy it. And God, I pray that you would lead us and guide us that way. And God, I pray for anybody in this room that does not know the shepherd of their souls. They don't know Jesus. That, God, they would, they would come to me. They'd come to Josh. They'd come to a leader here, a friend, and say, I want to know the Savior of my soul. I want to know Jesus. We'll teach them how to believe, the importance of repentance of their sins, the power of confession, and then this beautiful, this beautiful demonstration of death, burial, and resurrection is what we call baptism, where we die to ourselves and we're raised to new life. God, if there are people in this room who need to make that decision, I pray that they would have the courage to simply make the request, I want to become a follower of Jesus. We thank you in Jesus' name we pray.